Welcome to Health Unabashed, a conversational platform where health meets innovation. Broadcasting live on Healthcare Now Radio, we engage top industry talent and dive into the heart of health and wellness from vision to business model to bring you the latest in innovation from health tech to promising AI applications, policy, and ultimately impact on the public's health and well-being. We're here to shake up the status quo in health, making it sustainable, equitable, patient-centric, accountable, safe, and effective. I'm Greg Masters, your co-host and executive producer, and I'm joined by the digital health aficionado himself, author, editor, global thought leader, and might I add, in his executive capacity, steward servant, Gil Bash. Together, we're on a mission to bring you the people, the ideas, and the companies that are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. On today's menu... We are in the company of Yael Elish, CEO and founder of Stuff That Works. Yael is a passionate entrepreneur with expertise in crowdsourcing and consumer-facing products. Yael was on the Waze founding team where she drove the overall product strategy that led the company from user one to one of the world's most notable crowdsourcing endeavors. She holds a first degree in foreign relations from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel. So with no further delay, Gil, the mic is yours. Greg, thank you so much for that masterful introduction. I thank you. I also want to remind our listeners to tune into your show, which is ever more important, Pop Health Week. You and Fred Goldstein are really exploring some of the pressing issues our nation faces. And I look forward to the episodes. And Greg, as you know, we have an incredible guest with us today, Yael Alish, who I think is one of the superstars, truly, in redefining how technology can be meaningful in people's lives. Now, most of our listeners may not remember the name offhand, but they will remember this. If you're driving any place in the world today and you've got a smartphone, you probably have as one of your most essential apps, Waze. Yale was part of the leadership team that created Waze, obviously created the product platform, its positioning, and then, of course, led its um, merger into Google. Uh, Waze is today the, I would say, the number one transportation platform, navigation transportation platform in the world. And uh, Yale was really part of that small cadre of people from the pretty much the very beginning that made ways what it became. Now, we have to consider, and Yael is going to explore this with us, we have to consider how we can learn from ways and apply that to the journey that we all take in health. Health is probably the most fragmented economic ecosystem certainly in the United States, certainly in the United States. It has a multitude of layers. And I often say when people say, no, it's about the patient, I often counter and say the customer of the U.S. health system is definitely not the patient. It's the system. The system is the customer of the system. And if we look at ways, and all of us had a GPS once upon a time on our dashboard, Waze disrupted the way we use maps. 
that's a fundamental understanding that we have to embrace. Can we disrupt the U.S. health ecosystem? That's a big question. Yale, welcome to the program. I so much appreciate your joining us from your home in Israel right now. I, I know that you are doing some very big things that you're going to unfold in the weeks ahead. I know there'll be a major presentation in Florida, where you'll be talking about how real-world evidence, how artificial intelligence, how technology can revolutionize or disrupt the way we engage patients, perhaps as even partners in the clinical trial development process. Yale, welcome. Thank you very much, Gil and Greg. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, Yael, you you were there at the dawn of ways until it was acquired by Google. Obviously, a tremendous, tremendous acquisition by them. And uh, congratulations to you on that success. Would you mind going back in time just a little bit and talking about what made Waze so disruptive? It wasn't just that it was easier. A number of things came together, including the patience of the innovation, development, and positioning team, the product team, to understand what was the need of the customer and how did you create something that was radically different than what people were using? What was that like? Tell us a bit about that time. Um, I think that the, the starting point is in putting together a team of people that are really the right team of people to make this happen. And what was unique about this team is that we were all uh, post 40s. So each and every one of the founding team and management was uh, already after having uh, worked in, in places, uh, founded companies, succeeded or failed, and then came together and, and joined the, the ways and um, just did everything hands-on. So poured in all the experience and excitement by not being managers, but actually working hands-on, each person in their own domain, domain you know, being kind of experts in what they do and just wanting to make things happen, just uh, working out of the motivation of making things happen. I think that was a, a big part. No ego, really wanting to see something succeed and and uh, uh, being a very, it's not, not vision, but people just seeing something uh, that they want to achieve and, and going after it without thinking about anything else. There's been other teams like that before. I think of um, the, uh, the the famous um, documentary of a called General Magic of the team that came together before the um, before the iPad and before the Palm Pilot. There was a team that came together called General Magic to create um, sort of a box that would have apps or applications, as they called it, on it. And this is actually at the dawn the dawn of what they called then the World Wide Web. The, uh, the dawn of the internet, it, they failed, but the same people out of that venture created, uh, I think they created PayPal, they created the iPod, they created the iPad, they created the smartphone, they created eBay, same team. They they learned from the failure. You Your, your team didn't fail. I mean, I understand from conversations with you, it took, it took, a, it took a few years for you to get it right. And I, I wanted to explore as, as, Actually, in the world of innovation today, I think that there's something about, and maybe it's a mistake on our part, there's something about getting to market 
as quickly as you can to become revenue driving. Was the environment that you worked in that created ways different than the environment of today, where then people had the funding or the private equity groups came in and understood that the journey could be a little longer. And today, of course, it's why is it taking you now two months to perfect this and get into the marketplace? Is our environment different now than it was then? Uh, I think it is that it was actually pretty pretty similar. There uh, had to be a business model, and uh, the business model was actually creating maps and uh, selling maps in the same way that maps are being sold uh, today, licensing maps. Um, but that wasn't, in essence, that wasn't what was uh, uh, the eventual business model, and and uh, eventually the ability to really create a, a brand, a strong brand and a product that people, uh, I think someone from Google coined the term, uh, the tooth, toothbrush test, people use it twice a day. Um, and, and people liking the product and liking the brand is what made a difference. And, and I think the brand, by the way, is a very important component, which is uh, uh, otherwise the Google acquisition would have merged uh, you know, the, the maps products into or navigation products into Google Maps, but people are so, um, you know, people like the ways brand as a brand. And I think this comes back to crowdsourcing and what happens with crowdsourcing. With crowdsourcing, people are like consumers or people that are using your product, they kind of get an insight into who you are as a company. It's kind of, those are almost like the trans transparency and they get to see who you are, what is your DNA, and uh, if it's a good one, and if they align with it, the vision, the, the DNA, the people, uh, then they like your company. And people loved Waze since the very beginning, and they loved Waze because of how we communicated what we we're trying to do in a way that is um, very, very, uh, so we shared, we we were, we had a shared vision. We shared the vision and people were engaged to being part of this transformation and being part of the vision. And we would update and interact with um, the user base in the same way that we, even more than we would interact with investors. We would share information all the time. Uh, we would uh, consult uh, and they would be just the most important people. So the person running the community um, map operation, so the people that are actually working on the maps, updating, editing maps, uh, was a very, very central person because people invested hours and hours on building the maps and editing the maps. And uh, they had a say, and they wanted to, to, you know, they wanted to set the priorities on what happens first, what happens next. Um, and they had a, a huge insight into how the company operates, into like how we how we interact. Just dropping in, you're right on time for Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. We're chatting with Yael Elish, a passionate entrepreneur with expertise in crowdsourcing and consumer-facing products. Yael was on the Waze founding team where she drove the overall product strategy that led the company from user one to one of the world's most notable crowdsourcing endeavors. Stay tuned for the rest of the story. Let me ask you something about that if I can. You know, Waze is so um, user directed. It's so, you know, the, you feel 
I, I think our listeners would would agree. Anyone who uses ways, you know, sort of says, here's where I'm starting from, which it intuitively understands. Here's where I'm going. And it, it is constantly communicating with the user and even reoriented routes, a better route is here, uh, no time added. But you feel as if the experience is totally directed toward the user, that the user is the customer of the journey. And in health, just to sort of like connect what you've done magnificently to what you're up to right now, in health, I I don't think that the the person who has the health concern, whether it be the caregiver or the actual patient, actually feels that the system of information is designed around them. I think it's um, sometimes, this is a strong word, I think they might feel that the system is designed in spite of them or to spite them, but not necessarily to support their journey, either in connecting with others like them or understanding the range of symptoms that they might have or reactions to a medication or whether other people in their group of symptoms or diagnosis are using different medications that they would want to engage in conversation or um, how the, re the their real world, their actual experience, their actual real-time experience um, might indicate something where um, either the clinical staff that cares for them or even um, a research team that might be able to engage and support them. I, I, I think that we journey, we journey along the disease pathway in isolation to the actual system that supposedly is designed to help us. And so I'm just comparing a little bit my ways experience to my experience of watching people in the health system. I think people on the health system are constantly being sent around to uh, roundabouts, as they say in ways. You know, take the third exit at the roundabout. So I, I think that that when you enter the health system, rather than saying take the first or second or third exit at the roundabout, it says you're entering a roundabout and you're circling that roundabout endlessly in search of a direction, of an answer. And, and now, am I overstating the experience comparing ways to this? Totally, and, and uh, um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it comes to the designer of the product. And at the end of the day, if you are there listening to everyone, the system, what the system wants, or are you listening to what you think is what you want to see? And there's sometimes, you know, you're being encouraged and educated to listen. And sometimes at the expense of forgetting to think and what, what it is that you would have wanted. And so this is why, you know, we took, I think at the time, very courageous decisions, even controversial within the company itself. So for example, the the Waze logo was very controversial in the company itself as well, because some people were afraid of us passing as not serious enough. This is not like, what is this, a baby thing? It's not a serious technology. It's not serious navigation. Let's not do this, da, da, da. And then again, many controversial uh, things about whether or not to place Wazers on the map. Should it be a clean map, like what we're used to on you know, Google Maps and stuff, or should we put this kind of clutter on the map? I was very much in favor of yes. Why? Because this conveys that there are people there, that there are people there and that they're actually reporting. And this is what makes the entire experience different because you understand that someone reported something and that this is a live thing. It's, it's not a, a passive thing. So those are very, very, very small things that 
you can never measure, but they are transformative and, and, and they are decisions at the end of the day and sometimes very controversial decisions and you have to go with them. So in the same way, when we created stuff that works, I mean, we could have just spent the entire inception listening to what the medical system and, and people were outraged about the fact that we didn't want to listen. We just had something in mind. We realized what the problem is and we decided to just go the straight way to what we think is the solution without listening, without building it around a specific business, you know, even a specific business or monetization thing. We just said, this is wrong. It can be done better. Let's just do it. And this is where you have the situation where something is transformative, but very difficult potentially to start monetizing as opposed to something that gets created around the problem and is very easy to monetize. So fast forward, Google comes in, acquires Waze. Some of the engineers obviously have to continue for a bit of time with Google as they get their arms around how to support the platform. You and some very senior executives get the opportunity to, to exit. And, uh, and benefit from your, your engineering marvel, your programming marvel, and you're, you're sitting alone and you're saying to yourself, as great innovators do, uh, with time on their hands, what, can, what other problem can I fix? I fix transportation, what problem do I want to fix? And you decided you're going to fix health, which is obviously Hillary Clinton tried to fix that at some point. Barack Obama, President Obama, tried to tweak it with, with affordable care. And now, all the ways, you're going to disrupt it and, and help it operate smoother. So you're the CEO of Stuff That Works. I've uh, For our listeners, I've seen the platform, by the way. It works. It's beyond impressive. Is it disruptive? I think it's actually different than disruption. Waze perhaps was disruptive. I think that this is sort of the ecosystem of information that perhaps the health system has been looking for to bring a myriad of pieces together. Um, tell us a little bit about stuff that works and what makes it so marvelous. And it is marvelous. Thank you. So I I, uh, I have three daughters. And when my daughter, my second, my big daughter was uh, young, she developed a, a chronic condition and she, she had it for years and we... Uh, and it was just getting worse. We were going from one doctor to the other and we're trying different treatments and, and it didn't work. And I was relentlessly researching uh, for a solution. And I ended up uh, after many years finding a treatment that ended up clearing her solution, her condition within weeks. And it happened again with her with a different condition. And it happened with my dad uh, having Alzheimer. This is when I was already um, post uh, Google, but Already then I was, I realized that there's a problem with information, with data, with lack of information. And I realized that, that, that uh, people have the information and that I knew what the solution was also. It was clear to me that it needs to be a crowdsourced solution because you no know, patients, they know about themselves. They know about their condition. They know about the treatments that they've tried. They know how the treatment works over time. Uh, and uh, they have access to their medical records. They have everything. If they want to participate, the solution is let let's you know crowdsource all of this information at scale. This will create the best uh, real world evidence data set for all purposes. And I I knew this is something that I um, was intrigued about doing, but 
after, you know, I was already, I don't know what, close to 50 at the time. And I was post um, five, four or five startups where I'm always, you know, part of the four or five uh, people. So I was, and now I I had this uh, great exit, was lucky to have this amazing exit with, with Waze. And I was thinking that I was going to, like be in retirement and do some uh, calm stuff. A little young for that. <laughs> a little bit. I was planning on at least a couple of years or something, but I, I ended up very quickly going back to uh, doing that. It was, uh, I was, I, I was hoping to find a partner. This like my little dream was to have, you know, a, a partner and do it together and start this together. At the time, my colleagues at Waze were still engaged, uh, uh, chain golden chains at uh, at ways and it was uh, and then I'm finding doing it you know not waiting I decided to just not wait for anything I wasn't sure how I would be received in terms of the funding like how quickly I would I ended up fund, fundraising within uh, weeks from um, excellent like the top top tier VCs and uh, uh, very quickly started you know we were up and running that I was about four and a half years ago. And then we built a very small team. The product was built gradually. So we just started with the basic form, like collection of infra- basic information. And this is when some of the decisions of how to you know, build this whole thing. But the, the vision didn't change. It remained consistent throughout these four and a half years. And Yeah, it's amazing. It's the ways like platform brought to real world evidence. And could you just spend a minute talking a little bit about how it works, the value for, for our listeners. So um, we thought like what people need, if you have a chronic condition, it's very, uh, it's difficult. It's a very difficult journey and you really need to be able to interact with people like you. So the first thing people need is to be part of, to talk to people uh, that are uh, experiencing the same thing. And the second thing is that they need information that's quality information, because if you go to Facebook groups, there is information that questions are being asked over and over again, and people are actually answering, but that never turns into like organized data that's collected and that you can really use as data. And, and answers are great answers, but again, it still doesn't provide uh, like deep enough data-driven information and it's not collected. So the thought was basically uh, an almost Facebook-like community, strong community where people can just normally interact with other people, uh, ask questions. And then on top of that, there would be powerful like data collection uh, tools where your experience would be collected in a form, in in structure. So um, you would go in, you would look for your condition, uh, and you would uh, start on board by completing a a questionnaire of about 60 questions. And yes, about 60% of people uh, actually do that. So it starts with, you know, your age, gender, condition, date of onset, symptoms, early symptoms, the treatments that you've tried, ethnicity, like every piece of information that we thought would be useful for future analysis. And um, as you complete, this turns into normalized data and we then share back the data with the entire community like interesting insights that come out of the data i just want to add having seen the platform visually uh like ways i mean you've obviously brought a lot of the magic of your head without replicating you know sort of systems that were used before 
you you appreciate how visualization of data is is part of the success of a platform. It is um, visually compelling. It it actually connects disease conditions and shows how people may have concomitant other chronic conditions or mimic mimic other chronic conditions, though they're rooted, let's say, in Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, they might be connected to another syndrome and another sort of chronic condition. It's visually masterful. It's data-rich. It, it really gives a sense of community clusters, how people strongly are sort of rooted within a chronic condition or how they may have concomitant conditions. It is, I, I haven't seen anything like this before. So just in a, in a moment, in a moment, what, what's the next big step? A keynote at Scope in, um, I think you're, you're um, down in Florida, I guess it's Orlando perhaps, or one of the big cities um, there, you're going to be keynoting that. Um, but what's next for stuff that works? So just like uh, Waze, we are we started with several millions. At some point, you get to the tens uh, of millions globally, and it happens very, very quickly. And the data will become deeper and deeper and richer and, and constantly up to date. So we started with self-reported. And um, uh, on top of that, you have geospatial, wearable data, EMR data, uh, genomic data, and ending up being this place that serves humanity at the end of the day. We're not here for commercial purposes only. We created this platform to serve humanity. So providing information back both to patients and nonprofit health organizations and making that the best, being transformative in what the the, the data that was uh, shared by patients uh, will do for them back and for humanity. Yell, I want to thank you for giving us this little preview. I'm going to have you back on the show again. This is a sort of fast-moving technology that can improve the human condition. Good luck at Scope. And I would say to anybody who's using Waze, you know how game-changing that technology is. My, I guess my takeaway is to people in the drug development industry, to the patient care industry, stay tuned. Be watching closely the work of Yale and her colleagues. I think we're about to see a sea shift in the area of, of drug development patient care. Thank you, Yale. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Greg. And that, dear listeners, is the last note for today's Melody. A huge thank you to our worldwide listeners for tuning in. And deep gratitude to Yael Elish, CEO and founder of Stuff That Works, for her time and generous insights today. For more information on Yale's work, go to www.stuffthatworks.health and do follow her on Twitter via at Stuff That Works and the number one. Health and Abash streams live three times a day, Monday through Friday at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern, and at 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Do stay social with Gil and me on Twitter via Gil underscore Bash, and that is B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters M-P-H, and that is Greg with two Gs. And don't forget to give your tweets some zing with our hashtag Health Unabashed. Until we meet again, pursue your passion for better health and no apologies.